Hey, Defy Gravity listeners. Um, as you know, Jean and I were at the Ascend conference uh, this week in uh, Chicago, and uh, we had great speakers, Rachel Hollis and Kevin O'Leary and Dean Graziozzi and... Um, I don't know, there were so many others. Like it was a fantastic lineup of people coming to give us all kinds of um, amazing education. And Rachel Hollis was on stage and she was doing an amazing job, just blowing it out of the park as usual. And she made a statement that struck both of us and we wrote it down and, and we've sort of been thinking about it all week. So we wanted to chat with you about it. The, the the statement she made is mediocre will always attack excellence even if it is the pursuit of excellence which really got us thinking yeah so we were thinking about what does that mean how does that apply to life like what do we see that uh, in our everyday lives mm-hmm. and uh, occurrences came up this week and I'll I'll have Jean talk to one of them about um, when when people start to sort of we have these relationships with people and they're going well and we maybe have had this relationship a long time and you know we've been friends and buds and we do everything together and all of a sudden this person changes and they change how they relate to us or they're mean to us or they ghost us or whatever uh and why might those kinds of things happen and it is been my experience when I was um, working to improve myself and, and clear the layers of, you know, yuck that was hanging around was that I had people who changed how they related to me. Um, some got mean to me. Some just start talking to me and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So um, I experienced that and I started thinking about uh, those experiences I had in school and how... Um, I would have people that I'm hanging out with and everything's great and, and then all of a sudden they're not. Yeah, poof. Like you're the bad guy all of a sudden. Yeah. It's the strangest thing and mm-hmm. you know as a middle schooler you're not thinking about your energy or anybody else's. You're just a middle schooler going to middle school yeah. trying to attract the attention of the cute middle school boy. <laughs> right. And <laughs> you know <laughs> and living your middle school life. Yeah. But when I look back now that I'm way not middle school (laughs) beyond those days way beyond middle school um I I think that when you know you're living your middle school life and you're happy-go-lucky and you're doing your thing Mm -hmm. and you are moving forward yeah like whatever it is you're doing is moving you towards like some goal, maybe it was, maybe it's college or, you know, cosmetology or construction or welding or whatever it is. It it could be you want to be the drum major for the band. I mean, it could even be just in that small microcosm of middle right. school, right? Right. Middle school, high school. But that mm-hmm. goal takes you outside of what that group may be doing, mm. you know, and so for. So I'm just going to say hypothetically that it it could be that those friends in that group aren't ready Mm. to move forward as fast as you are moving forward. And so your energy has shifted. Mm -hmm. So your vibration is higher. Yeah. 
and their vibration is still low. Yeah. But they still want you probably because you are the highest vibration in the group. Yeah. And they need that energy from you. Right. Um, so rather than be okay with you doing your thing and moving forward, because you have no intention of leaving these people behind. They're your friends, right? Right. You're just doing your thing. Yep. But they feel like they're being left behind. Yeah. Or you're, you've gotten better than them, or you're smarter than them. Or, or you think you're smarter you than them. You think you're all you, that. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just me. I just really want that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, um, and at that age, it's really hard to navigate, I would think. Like, you know, I had my trouble at 12. Yeah. And my solution to my trouble was to stay away from people and be quiet and not hurt anybody's feelings because I was angry. Yeah. Like I was angry, but like for some reason, and I don't know, it, it could be that angel on my shoulder or whatever, but I always hear do no harm. Yeah. So, and I've always heard do no harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that so i internalized my anger yeah and kept it to myself right and just said okay i'm cool with whatever you know until i'm not yeah and then once i'm not you can either leave me alone or you're going to get your ear chewed off <laughs> which is basically <laughs> i'm a very good ear chewer <laughs> <laughs> you know and and I always thought it was weird that people would always want to fight me. And like, I am the most peaceable person on the planet. Mm -hmm. Why did everybody want to beat me up? I I, I never, I never could understand. Like I caught the attention of some girl. I had no idea who she was. Mm. No idea who she was. I'm like, I don't know, 11 or 12 and she's, 13, 14, mm-hmm. she could be in high school. You know, the bus is problematic. Yes, it is. Let me tell you. All those different ages uh, on there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, everybody wanted to jump on you on the bus. But Karen, I wonder if it's, you know, going back to the, the frequency um, discussion, is that you exude a level of strength and confidence and, and self-worth that would subconsciously be desirable for certain people. Mm-hmm. However, and we're going to get back to this, like we don't have any emotional language. Mm-hmm. We aren't in touch with our emotions or what's going on. And so they seek that out in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we talk about, um, we were talking about that apparently there's a lot more sexual activity in middle school than there has been in the past. And I wonder how much of that is that these kids themselves are not having or experiencing um, loving role models um, for whatever reason, whatever their life situation is. Mm -hmm. And so they seek affection Mm -hmm. and love in unhealthy ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in ways that are not creating good things for them. Right. And then it becomes unsatisfying because those are often very short and brief. And right. because they're dealing with another individual who's not emotionally aware. Uh-huh. Right. Two yeah. not emotionally aware individuals do not create an emotionally aware couple. 
No, they really don't. <laughs> and that's true if you're 12 or 40, or, right? It doesn't matter. Like you can't you, you can't do that and so as one person becomes more emotionally aware and starts to you know do all this self-realization and all this work. Uh-huh. Um whether it's a, a marriage, a relationship, a friendship, a family situation, the other person is left with this sense of like dissatisfaction. Mhm. Because you're leaving me. Mm-hmm. You're not hanging out with me as much. I don't understand you. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, because you're now talking in a more positive language and your self-worth is coming up. So you're not engaging in the complaining. You're not engaging in that gossip mm-hmm. any longer. So that other individual is left with, I don't even know what to talk to you about any longer. Mm. Because all you talk about is this thing you're going for or this thing you learned or these cool things that you're doing. And I'm, I want to stay here in my unhappiness because mm. I'm not ready to let it go yet. Mm. But my, my question is why, I mean, how, how do they not, like, where's, where is the, the line where all of a sudden one part of the group is moving forward and the others are not? Like, how do you be friends with these people and not have that same kind of drive like yeah I don't I don't know I don't understand what like is it a is it a I'm turning like like we're all experiencing hormones that we're not used to you know like the puberty thing that is real girl it is real oh my goodness I don't know that I really noticed it when we were in school but now you can like you can see it in the children yeah well, we've introduced so many toxic chemicals that affect the endocrine and the hormonal system in addition to the biochemical cascade of emotions mm-hmm. that happen with, you know, fear, frustration, anger, etc. If they're living in an angry household, if, you know, um, angry parents fought all the time and then got divorced, now there's, you know, you've got two separate households, there's the turmoil and the confusion of that. Oh, and yeah, sometimes, that's it, you know, and, and maybe there may have been absolutely the right thing to do. But it leaves this person, this child, in this sort of odd situation. Oh, yeah. You know, with it's, it's not fun. raging hormones and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right? Right? Right. But why, uh, it, and it's a good question. I mean, why do some people progress and some don't? Yeah. Um, why do some people, and I don't know that I have an answer for that. I mean, why did I decide that uh, I wasn't going to accept being sick? Yeah. I wasn't going to accept that my kids were going to be sick. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was anything different until I said, okay, th- this is not, we're not doing this. This is not how I'm going to live my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to live my life sick and debilitated. So what do I have to do differently? So then I started seeking the physical need and then I found the emotional need and the spiritual need mm-hmm. and, and fulfill those needs. And it's, you know, yeah, it's been a 12 year journey um, and still going on because there's plenty of work yet to do. Um, I don't know the answer to why some people choose it and some people don't. Uh, is there such a thing as soul maturity? You know, some people are, are their souls are more ready for it than others. They're, they're oh, yeah, spirits. like the old soul thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. It is interesting. Um, you know, have they, have they um, started with... Uh, more soul mature parents and soul mature grandparents and but then again within families you'll see 
where, you know, if you've got three or four siblings, mm-hmm. you may have two or three that are doing great and one that doesn't. Yeah. Where does that come from? Yeah. I don't really know the answer to it's that. It's like a blink, blink. <laughs> what the heck? What happened? Successful, successful, successful drug person. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, where did, where did that person get lost? Yeah. Because it's the same parents, the same household, the same everything. Yeah, the same foundation, the same rules. But, but you know, that person. Um, I have a friend who's um, one of 11, and, um, yeah, and so uh, one, blink, blink. <laughs> one, one of the adult children still lives at home. One has a master's <clears throat> degree, is doing great. The other one is doing fantastic and, and you know, on their own and whatever. And the rest are still in school, so they're still exploring. But, you know, it's like, mm, so I don't understand, um, I don't understand what makes the difference. And I love to listen to uh, people that have been really successful in their lives. I think that's an important part of the growth process. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember hearing Michael Jordan uh, talk a couple of times. And, you know, we always talk about how amazing he was and how many baskets he made and this, that, and the other thing, and like the best jump shot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he did an interview where he, you know, he said, I missed 9,000 shots. I lost over 300 games. I failed over and over again, but that's why I succeeded. Because he had the resilience to get back up again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I missed the basket. That's okay. Try again next time. We'll do it again next right. time. We'll do it again next time. And he won the mental game. And I think that's another key thing. You know, if you have two individuals in the exact same circumstances, right. one rises and succeeds and the other doesn't, what's the difference there? Um, sense of self-worth, I think, is a big piece of it, mm-hmm. which may be given to you, but you may have to develop that as well. Right. You you may not have a great... I didn't have a great sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. I didn't. We moved nine times before I graduated high school. I was lonely as all get out. Mm-hmm. So I would seek out to be part of everything that I could be a part of mm-hmm. in order to think that I was going to fill that loneliness. And I also filled my space with stuff. Yeah. Because I felt like, okay, I'm not alone. I have all this stuff. Look at all the stuff I have. Yeah. Um, which none of that satisfied the loneliness no, at all. it never does. It never did. Mm-mm. Um, so the, this low sense of self-worth led to the loneliness. Uh, but I also have had, I've always had resilience. Mm -hmm. I've always been like, um, you know, I, I was the one who, I remember I was working for, um, when I was working for Ford, I had someone tell me I couldn't do something. Well, you'll never do that. Nobody ever succeeds at that. I was like, oh, now watch me do this. You see, the last thing you should tell me is that I can't do something. <laughs> right? And it took me six months, but I got on it, and I stayed on it, and I succeeded. Right. And that guy came to back to me, and he goes, I can't believe you did that. And I said, believe it. You want me to do something else? Right. Exactly. Because even though I didn't have a great sense of self-worth, I've always had this resilience and this fight Yes. to say... That's not going to happen. That's mm-hmm. not good enough. That's not where we're going to stay, et cetera. And so um, I have, I've had people along the way as I've done my work mm-hmm. who, who have fallen, most have fallen away. I mean, quietly, you know. There have been a few who have disagreed with me pretty vehemently. Oh. And I was like, okay, I appreciate your disagreement. I can see where you're at, but I'm not going to stay there with you. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. If you want to come on this journey, let's do it together. Right. But I'm going this way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on the I'm on the rocky path that doesn't have a whole lot of people that walk on it, but it's got a whole lot of fruit. 
Yes. Yeah, there's a lot to be gained from it. Yes. Um, so even if you don't have the self-worth, but you have the resilience, mm-hmm. you can build that. If you do have the self-worth, but not the resilience, you can be, build that too. Right. You can do either. Because it's all about the pursuit. It is about the pursuit. You know, yeah. even, even when you're in that lonely place. And now that I think about it, you know, middle school and high school, because I'm the youngest. Oh, yeah. And my siblings are 6 and 12 years older than me. Yeah. So pretty much around the age of 6, I was by myself. Right. Because they were off with their friends. They were, you know, being teenagers. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't personal, but wow. a 6-year-old doesn't know that. Nope. <laughs> you just knew you were alone, and they you know, didn't want you around. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, they don't want me around anymore. Right. right. So then I had to fill that space with other people. Right. Or books or yeah. you know so I filled it with books I filled it with some other people mm-hmm. um, in high school it was band it was student council it was mm-hmm. the debate club it was whatever else I could get myself into right right <laughs> let me join that group <laughs> anything to get me out of the house yes <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. but then you still go back to the house and you're still lonely yeah because now you're not in that place with all those people and exciting things and la 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 Mm -hmm. you know so I also found that my loneliness drove me to be want want to be part of everything yes okay Mm -hmm. and so I had a really super great core group of friends that I think I appreciated but not enough Mm mm-hmm and then I wanted to be part of um, the cool group that was having the party on Saturday night. And I wanted to be part of this group. And I wanted to be part of that group. And, and what I recognized for myself is that when I get in those groups because I'm empathic and I, I absorb the energy of the people around me, mm-hmm. I sought out high energy people mm-hmm. and high energy situations uh, because I would take that in. And I saw myself as a high energy hyped up kind of go 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 person Mm -hmm. uh when i don't think that that's my true nature Uh my true nature is i'm i'm a fairly serious person who does like to have fun and laugh a lot Uh okay so i may not be the center the life of the party Mm -hmm. but i sure like to be around the person who's you know having fun but then you'll find me in a serious conversation with somebody in 10 minutes later you know just right. a, that's just how i am uh-huh. um but for me to sustain that very high level of activity i had to be with large groups of people yeah so if we went to a concert mm-hmm. and i'm in an arena oh, with 10,000 people concerts are the best i was i had so <laughs> much fun and i was wild and crazy and i was hyped up and i was doing all the having fun um, and I kept that sort of what i felt to be a sense of euphoria mm-hmm. but it becomes addictive Yes. We get addicted to that adrenaline rush. That's Mm -hmm. that, you know, the oxytocin, the, the, all of the things that come in. Like super high, super low. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I wanted to be high all the time and wanting to be high all the time meant I stressed myself Mm -hmm. to the point of sickness. Yeah. The pursuit of that, um, was fun for a while, but then I, then it became manic. Yeah. And out of control. Because mm-hmm. it and becomes too much. It does become too much. And I didn't... I, I, my, my spirit was telling me to slow down. My spirit's like, do yoga. And I'm like, do yoga? I gotta stand Sit there still? for how long? <laughs> I can't... You want, me to, you want me to quiet my mind? That's not gonna happen. Um, and I found I couldn't do those things. Uh-huh. F- 
for you know, I would I would read this thing that says go and sit in nature and just enjoy the lake and the trees. And I'd sit there and I'm like, lake trees, rocks, lake tree, tree, tree. What kind of tree is that? That's a cool tree. What kind of tree? Let me go look at the leaves in that one. Oh, the water. I wonder how deep the water is. You know, it wasn't this com- contemplative kind of I'm I'm in the moment and I'm present. It was analytical. I am analyzing everything. Yeah. I'm filling myself up with data. So that race, race, race. Yeah. It has taken me practice mm-hmm. to slow down. It does. Oh. It does. I mean, especially now when you're working it. and you know, you were working in corporate America, just like me. And yeah. it, you know, that lifestyle is, it moves. Yeah, it does. And if you don't move with it, then you're out of that job. Yeah. So, you know, it becomes a habit. Right. To just go, 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 go. And, um, obviously not the healthiest thing, Mm -mm. uh, to just be doing high stress activities. No. Even if it's something like, like you said, you had so much going on, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe you did a bunch of volunteer work, but it was in addition to the high stress of work, high stress, trying to volunteer and get things done for, Mm -hmm. you know, these charities and whatever. Mm -hmm. So like, even though volunteering and for a charity is something that fills your soul it's another doing and it's another level of stress yeah and so the the important thing is to balance all of that yeah and uh and it's hard yeah you know it can be hard because you know again the volunteering is your heart work right and the work is your life work yep you know, it makes your life work to work and get paid and Absolutely. do those things, you know. Um, and then obviously there's your family yeah. who, you know, is like, well, you're either at work or you're volunteering or you're, or you're doing this or that and you're never home. And, right, right. And where's my time? Yeah. Yeah. You got to balance all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, I think, too, that you've got to be careful about perfection. Um, I applied this, this very high bar of perfection, Mm -hmm. which is about shame and judgment. Brene Brown talks about this perfectly. She has Mm -hmm. this, um, gifts of imperfection is the name of the book. Really quick read. If anybody wants to read, it's amazing book. It is a big eye opener, um, in its very short, (laughs) short format, which is nice, Mm -hmm. especially for those people with racing brain like me. (laughs) Um, but the the key the the thing about perfection is that is when you're not achieving what you perceive to be a level of perfection mm-hmm. there's a lot of shame and judgment mm-hmm. even though you may be doing good things so when i started the community garden i was so excited to do that i was so thrilled to be able to give give back to the community and bring something to them now i in my mind thought day 1 it's going to be perfect we're going to be growing this great stuff i'll have all these volunteers i'll have the whole neighborhood engaged everybody's going to show up it's going to be great we'll have all these parties i had that in my head mm-hmm. it didn't work out that way at all mm-hmm. and over time i became more and more disappointed with myself mm-hmm. because i thought i had failed i thought i had failed in this beautiful perfect mission mm-hmm. Because somewhere along the lines I read about this community garden that has all these wonderful things. Mm -hmm. What I didn't read in there is that community garden has been established for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) Like I didn't, I missed that part. Uh And so I set this level of perfection rather than pursuing uh, an excellent pursuit of, Mm -hmm. okay, so here are the things that need to be done to establish a really good garden. 
Mm-hmm. And then from there, a good volunteer base. Mm-hmm. And from there, a good consistent mm-hmm. distribution out to the community. And then a community engagement. Like I didn't, I didn't build that layering as a pursuit of excellence. Mm-hmm. I applied this perfectionist view of it. And I was very disappointed with myself. Mm. And I was very hard on myself for a long time about that. Mm-hmm. And then when I handed the garden over and the guy who took it over did all these wonderful things. And I was like, see... I suck. Oh. And but so you had done the groundwork. Yeah. But it took other people to say to me, mm-hmm. you did the groundwork. Right. You kicked it off. Right. And it's, he's just continuing. And he's and it's okay. Yeah. It's a compounding kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you did the role that you were meant to do. Yeah. And now you move on to the role that you're meant to do now. That's the realization of self-improvement mm-hmm. versus perfection. Yeah. So, um, so pursue excellence, pursue excellence. Yes. Yes. Excellence drives improvement and seeking better. And it's a higher frequency for sure. Absolutely. It's inspired action. Yeah. Right. Without an expectation. Cause like, I, that's why I like the Michael Jordan, what he had to say about that, because he said, you know, I had to I had to master the mental skills mm-hmm. that went along with the physical skills. Yes. And the physical skills he had, you know, he displayed in high school and then into college and that's right. what got him noticed. But when he got into doing the game professionally, right. he had to shift his mental attitude. And I think that's true for all people who move from um, you know, a amateur level to a professional level and mm-hmm. we can apply that to everything that we do. Yeah. Um, and to keep working at it. And work the mental game as well as the right. physical game. Well, and even if you're a writer, yeah, in middle school, yep, you know, pursue the excellence of writing. Yeah, if you're a band student and music is your life, mm-hmm. pursue the best band person that you can be. Yes, and you know, the Where rest, yeah, the rest fits into your life. Yep, or it doesn't. Yep, and you shouldn't worry about what Absolutely. doesn't. Absolutely, never worry yeah. about what doesn't fit because it doesn't fit for a reason. Yeah. So the two big pieces of this, you know, we go kind of cycling back to mediocre will always attack excellence. Um, You have to have the self-worth to know that not everybody's going to come along in that journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And the self-worth enough to bless them on their journey. Mm -hmm. I love you. If you're going to stay here, that's great. If you need me, you know where I'm at, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to I'm not going to keep complaining and I'm not going to stay in mediocre. Yeah. I'm I'm pursuing something better for myself and my family. Um and then be resilient because stuff is going to come at you. Mm-hmm. You're going to get knocked down, you stand back up again. You know, I mean if Michael Jordan got knocked down on the basketball court a million times, you didn't see him not get back up again and go back and get that ball. That's right. He did it over and over and over again. And anybody that's built a successful business, anybody that has, you know, built a successful community garden mm-hmm. has had things knock them down mm-hmm. and they go, okay, well, that's a problem. We're going to fix that. We're moving on. Yeah. And How you don't can we make it better? There. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key with resilience. And I, you know, whether it's, I, I don't know, I, fortunately I came with resilience, but not the self-worth. And so I worked and built the self-worth. Mm-hmm. I got there. By stripping away the lies, which we've talked about in previous conversations, we stripped away the lies mm-hmm. that said I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I was mm-hmm. too fat, I was too this, I was too loud, I talked too much, 
I'm too opinionated. I'm, you know, okay. So, and it was, it's all of those things that Mm -hmm. either were said to me or somewhere along the lines, I embedded that belief Mm -hmm. and I, I've overcome that and I'm like, okay, so I am wired to talk. That's just how I'm wired. Right. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. So I might as well do something that allows me to talk. Yeah. And do it to the best of my ability. Yeah. And for the best good of all. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yep. So don't let anybody hold you back. If you're pursuing excellence, keep pursuing excellence. Mm-hmm. We become role models for others. Yeah. And I know that if anybody that reads the newspaper, watches the news, pays attention to what movies they're putting out, it is low frequency, low energy, stay angry, stay, you know, afraid, fighting. Afraid. Afraid. Mm-hmm. Lots of fear. Yeah. Um, lots of fear of pursuing that excellence. Um, and being better or going further. Uh, If you seek out the other message, Mm -hmm. that other message that you can do it and you can be resilient and there are all the resources you need available to you and all of the, you know, the universe or God or whatever your belief system is, is moving everything for your best and highest good. Mm -hmm. That is what you will see because as we, as you, we've been doing this work, right? Mm -hmm. You and I together, as we we listen to people like Rachel Hollis and Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins and all of the others who have this message, Trent Shelton is another one, all of these people that have this message, it's there. Mm -hmm. Like it's there to reinforce you. It's Mm -hmm. there to reinforce your self-worth and to help you get up again and to help you go, oh, they struggled too. Okay. All right. Well, guess what? I'm dusting my knees off. Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got a scrape, but I'm good. Yeah. Carry on. I won't keep falling in the same hole. I like that analogy. Right. Have you heard that analogy? Like you're walking down the street, falling a hole. Uh-huh. Next day you're walking down the street, falling in the same hole. Next day you're walking down the street, falling in the same hole. Next day you're walking down the street, you stop at the edge of the hole. And you go, but you still fall in the hole because you're not quite strong enough yet. The next day you walk around the hole. Mm-hmm. And then the next day you walk on a totally different street. <laughs> yes, we do learn. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's what building resilience is about. Yeah. Just not giving up. I'm just not going to keep falling in the same hole. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because there's a whole other street to walk down. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. What was that other thing she said? She said... Um, she had lots of good stuff to say. Oh, my gosh. Everybody had good things to say. I, yep. Yeah. If I had a, a photographic memory or anything like that. <laughs> right. Um, Oh, she says, it doesn't get easier, you get better. Ah. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't get easier, you get better. Mm-hmm. I saw a meme along those lines. You know, you, so there's always going to be rain. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning of the rainstorm, you might have a small umbrella. But as you get stronger and smarter, you get a bigger and bigger umbrella. Mm-hmm. So you get hit by less water. Doesn't bother you. Yep. So that's really good. I like that one a lot. And then, of course, as we were talking about this, I thought about Bill and Ted. Be excellent to each other. Right on, dude. (laughs) So I love that one. All right. Good talk. Awesome as always. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.
Are you absolutely sick of being angry and frustrated? Are you tired of hanging out with people who annoy you, frustrate you, and treat you badly? Are you sad, depressed, frustrated, and angry? I used to be in all of those places. And I never knew how to get out of it. I didn't know it was even possible to think differently or behave differently or treat myself better. And I started to prioritize myself and I started to research and learn and try and experience and grow and cry and release things. And over the course of 10 years, I have learned a lot of amazing things. And I have been blessed to work with a lot of incredible people to help free them from the emotional turmoil that they are in, the walking on eggshells in their life, and help them to find people who lift them up and support them and hold space for them when they need someone to be there, someone that they can trust to tell anything without judgment or anger, and the people that will be there for them no matter what. Those people are out there waiting for you. It's first for you to go inside and do the work. And we, Jean and I, would love to share with you our lessons over the course of many decades of study and experience and crying and anger and frustration and all those things to make this a faster and easier and, and more wonderful process for you. You Transformed Workshop is how we are going to bring that to you. So if you are interested in being part of our workshop that's coming up, please get in touch with us through Defy Gravity, Facebook or Instagram. You can send us a message through either one of those pages and we will make sure you're on the list. Send us your email address and we will get you the information when we launch this amazing workshop. It's gonna be coming up soon we are putting everything together that we want to share with you to change how you think about yourself and the rest of the world so you see more light and more bright and more smiles and more happiness. We love you and we look forward to meeting you and sharing and seeing how you can create the life that you love and allow you to defy gravity. Thank you for tuning in for the Defy Gravity podcast. We are thrilled to have you as part of our family. We're going to ask you to follow this podcast, to share it with your friends and family. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all the places. Come see us in person. We'll be doing masterminds and classes and online courses, bringing you education, empowerment, and freedom so you can spread your wings and defy gravity.